Well, kia ora, hello and welcome to the Coast Vineyard Podcast. Whether you're a regular or a first-time listener, it's so good to have you listening in. We hope and pray that wherever you may find yourself at today, that the message that you're about to hear would be helpful for your journey of faith. So without further ado, let's get into this week's message. I wrote this message on the solid ground um, back before we knew about the pandemic. Uh, I was asked to, to preach, it was, I think it was going to be in May, uh, and the lockdown happened. And so I'd, I'd sat down and I'd written a message. I had no idea how pertinent it would be. I had several possible titles for it. My dear friend in, uh, in America, um, when we lived there, used to talk about when the bandini hits the fan. Does anyone know what Bandini is? We got any Americans? It's a fertilizer company in, um, in Los Angeles. So, you know, I had thought of another title, but um, we'll put the next one up. But then I thought, no, this is church, and we couldn't possibly do that. So I've called it When It All Turns to Custard. I want to begin with reading a couple of passages from Scripture. The first one from Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. And then from Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, come and speak to us today. Whatever is going on in our lives, whatever's been occupying our days and our nights, help us just to let them go. And in these next few minutes, speak to us. Fill us. Give us what we need to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to tell you a story, a true story. Uh, earlier in our lives, Kathy and I, along with our three children, lived for a while in the US. We were working for the Desert Vineyard, which is located in Lancaster, California, which is in the Moabi Desert, about two hours' drive north of LA. We were living on what was called the ranch, where the Desert Vineyard ran 
a residential ministry training school. Pastors, church leaders from the, around the world would come. And it was an amazing time. But I want to tell you about where we lived. It was an old horse ranch, which had been left to the original rancher's children after his death. None of them were interested in farming, but they loved having it as a holiday place. And so the church got this amazing deal where they actually gave it to us and then paid us to use it. Now, I like that kind of lease. Um, the church did too. Yeah, and uh, so the church leased this 580-acre property along with lots and lots of buildings. Beautiful, think Wild West. I mean, it was amazing. And all we had to do was keep two of the buildings for the owners to use for their holiday place. As part of the lease arrangement, we had to look after their herd of beef cattle, Charolais and Simmental. And as I'd grown up, on a dairy farm in the Waikato, they asked me to kind of assist the ranch manager who had never managed animals before in his life, um, but he was a great part of the church. Um, and I did a bunch of other things, a bit of teaching in the school and uh, the pastoral care of the students and drove the buses, it was kind of everything. Kathy was the administrator, she had the real job. It was heaven on earth. The ranch is located on the northern slopes of the Angeles Crest Mountains, backed onto the Angeles Crest National Park. We had wild animals like mountain lions and bears coming down around the cabins at night. You'd come out and find the little footprints, the big footprints in the snow and think, I'm glad I wasn't out last night. But the view across the desert to the Tehachapi Mountains and Red Rock Canyon State Park never grew old. We had some horses on the ranch. And we used them both for enjoyment, for the students to be able to ride in their downtime. Students are all adults, but with kids as well. But we also were able to use them as workhorses. Mine Beautiful. Um, no, he wasn't beautiful. He was ugly. Um, sorry, Fred. He was a three-year-old quarter horse. He'd never been ridden. He was given to us. And I had no idea how to break a horse in. And a lovely horse trainer, Shay Rooney. Anyone who's a movie buff will know her dad, Mickey Rooney. So Shay was a great horse trainer. And she came and broke him in. And I love Fred. He really was ugly. Um, but he was beautiful. But we had a three-year-old Arab horse, an Arabian, called Max, and he was magnificent. He was big, he was impressive, knew that he was boss of all the other horses. There was just no question about that. And the ranch manager rode him almost every day. Anyway, the school goes away on a mission trip. The ranch manager decides to take a holiday. And so Kathy and I thought, well, we'll have a holiday and stay on the property. Somebody had to stay there to look after the beasties. Max got bored if he wasn't ridden regularly. So 
was hard work, I know, but somebody had to ride him, you know. So I'd ride him every day, brought him over one lunchtime to our little cabin, left him in the corral right next to our cabin, think Wild West, in the middle of the corral, there's a solid log cabin, tack room, where all the horse gear goes. After lunch, I come out, Max liked me, comes up, didn't have to chase him, and I'm sorry to all the horsey people here, but I made a fundamental error. He comes up, and I'm thinking, oh, just so he doesn't wander off, I put a rope around his neck. It was a rope with a dog clip on the end of it. And I clipped the rope back on itself and tied it to the hitching rail. And what I'd done is I'd created a running noose around his neck without thinking about it. Got the bridle on, got the saddle on. I was just cinching up the saddle when the neighbours, who were also staff on the, on the school, a little six-month-old black Labrador puppy, Hannah, comes running out to say hello and runs right under Max and Max never saw this puppy coming. Got the fright of his life and he rears and as he rears, the rope tightens around his neck and now he's really panicked. Couldn't breathe. So he starts rearing and rearing and then he loses the plot completely and he ripped the whole hitching rail that had been there for decades. Think hitching rail you see outside the, the country and western pubs, you know. Throughout a two metre long horizontal rail, massive log, two and a half metre long uprights buried more than a metre and a half in the ground. Been there for decades. The whole lot comes out of the ground and maxes off tearing round the little corral with these logs flying through the air on the end of this rope that's around his neck and every step he takes is tightening the noose. And he's utterly panicked. I've got to say, I was too. The logs would bounce over his back. I couldn't understand why they weren't breaking his legs. Kathy and the kids come flying out of the cabin. Vicky and her kids, who was the other staff, they come out and all in our gog. And um, eventually, Max stops running. And I was able to get, go up to him, and he's dragging for breath. And I try to undo the knot, but it had so embedded, the rope was now embedded into his neck, I could not get my fingers under it to reach the clip call for a knife. My little daughter grabs a knife out of the house and brings it to me. And while she was coming, I thought, I'm going to drop the saddle off because these stirrups had been whacking his legs. And dropped the bridle because I thought he was going to trip on his reins, which are running along in front of him. And, and I'm just putting the knife to the rope and he lost it. And I hadn't got it off. This time, he's just, it's like blind panic. Headed for the gate, steel gate, big, strong gate, steel hinges, steel chain, matchsticks, just the gate flew off. The hinges and the chain all snapped. Horses have huge power. 
realise there's a lot of miracles happened this day. Kathy and Vicky are standing right there and he's heading for them. They threw the kids into the porch and I tell you within a second, those logs went through about a metre off the ground where they'd all been standing. Didn't touch the house. Next in line are our two cars. There's a gap. I rode through this gap on my own horse between Vicky's car and our one. It was so tight that I had to lift my feet off the side and sit them up on top of the horse because my legs wouldn't fit. And I thought, Max is going to destroy a car here. Logs, him, he's gone nuts. The logs bounced in front of Vicky's big American station wagon, cleared right over the top, never touched it, bounced on the other end as he goes through two wooden railed fences, like they were matchsticks, disappears down our drive across the road into the biggest paddock you have ever seen. Went through a seven barbed wire gate across his chest, smashed it. Panic. Disappears into a 13,000 acre paddock. Give you an idea how big that is, that's a third of the size of the Waitakere Ranges National Park. It's, you can get lost in there, seriously lost. It's got hills and bush. And Last I saw him, he's running across logs, bouncing across his back, smashing on his legs, and I thought I'd killed him. I really did. I could not understand how he was alive. We searched all day. A bunch of us, Jay had just arrived back, the branch manager, couldn't find him. Up at daybreak, and we're back, a team of us searching. We finally found him 24 hours after this had occurred, midday. Jay found him. And he manages to call the rest of us. And, but he couldn't get near him. He spooked. The rope had finally, the, the knot had come undone from the log. So it's now just a rope around his neck, trailing on the ground. But as Jay would try to get close, Max was like 50 metres and that's it, buddy. And he would just walk backwards away from Max. Away from Jay. Finally, I gave it a try. Same thing. Then in desperation, why is it you wait till you're desperate before you pray? I stood there and I just hung my head and I prayed. And while I'm praying, I hear footsteps and I open my eyes. This big, petrified, half ton of quivering muscle and bone is just walking to me. He comes right up to me, looks me in the eyes, drops his head on my chest, you know, the whole head from the ears to the nose, and he starts doing this. <laughs> and I'm bawling my eyes out, hugging my horse, and it was just amazing. Took the rope off his neck, put a halter on him, put the rope on the halter where it should always have been, and led him home. No broken bones, lots of cuts and bruises. 
were riding him again within a few days. This is my favorite story of surrender. God has reminded me of this so many times over the last few years. Surrender both in coming to Jesus in salvation, but surrender in the everyday. So often we are like Max. For whatever reason, we get ourselves into a mess. We try to solve it our own way. We think we have the solution and we go hard at it. When all along, all Max had to do was trust me. At any point, if he had stopped running and thrashing and trying to solve it all himself, the solution was right there. Freedom from the pain, freedom from the fear and the hurt. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. He will make your paths straight. I don't know whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you never have, and you're just trying to find out about this stuff. God has been there from the very beginning, just waiting for you to turn to him. And this is true for everyone, even those of you who have been around as long as I have or longer. He knows what we're going through. He knows what will set us free. But we wrap ourselves up in the things of this world. We tie ourselves up in chasing the dreams of the world. Earn more money. Get a bigger house, get a newer car, buy the latest toy, work longer and longer hours to pay the humongous mortgage to have the best. And it's a trap. It's like a rope around our neck and logs bouncing around, breaking our legs. And when we finally realize that we're face to face with God, how do we respond? God can't make us do it. Well, he probably could, but he won't because he's given us this free will. So he waits, arms stretched out, inviting us to come. That's all we have to do, just surrender. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, Jesus said, and I will give you rest, rest. Whatever it is, people, whether it's fear of people with real fear in their, in their lives right now, and it might be around your income or your job or your family or your health or just how you're going to do whatever. Or if it's shame or guilt. You know, most of us have stuff we don't want other people to see. Maybe you can't forgive yourself for stuff. 
uncertainty, worry. Any of you worriers? And stress. Any of you ever feel stress? Or am I the only one in the room? You know, stress hits so many of us. And then there's some of the big stuff in life, like illness, cancer, or terminal, terminal illness. Terminal illness sucks. I'm watching my brother fight with, with that right now, and it is not, it's not good. I want to tell you another story, very personal one. My, our granddaughter, one of them, we've been blessed with eight grandkids, which is wonderful. And uh, one of our granddaughters had some lumps that we could see, and uh, doctor didn't seem too worried about them, but she ends up getting a referral to Starship and uh, goes in for a scan. It happened to be her first birthday. So she was one that day. And after the scan, the, the doctors uh, come to my daughter and say, is there any, anyone who could um, be with you as a support person? And you know when they say that, you know, there's a real gulp moment. And Joe rang me, her hubby's a teacher, and couldn't suddenly drop, you know, everything. So I shoot into Starship, and they um, tell us as gently as they can that her body's full of tumours, uh, and basically every organ, every part of her body and her bones, too many to count. And we're talking hundreds, some of them the size of your fist and a lot of little ones. And they really were saying, we can't understand why she's still okay. And the prognosis was horrible. Um, they leave us alone. And we're facing, you know, the worst news you think you could ever hear. And Joe and I are just standing there and little granddaughters looking at us wondering, you know, what's going on with these two? But within literally a couple of minutes, the presence of God in that room was so powerful. We started to sing. We started to worship And, you know, I've heard people say, taste and see that the Lord is good. And I can say I have tasted of the glory of God. And if heaven is like that day, bring it on. Bring it on. The worst day of my life. And one of the most amazing experiences of my life. God filled that room. And Joe and I talk about this so often. There's years have gone by. Our, our beautiful granddaughter is alive 
and thriving and well. The miracles, that's a whole nother story. She's still full of tumors. Uh, but she's intelligent, she's beautiful natured, amazing kid, fully, 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 fully alive. And we thank God for her every day. But we look back at that day and we just say what we learnt. When, when God says I'm with you, he really is. And that's all we need. God doesn't promise us wealth, ease, that life will be all fluffy ducklings when you follow him at all. And if you've come out of a church where maybe that's been some of the message, then let it go. If you want the truth, look at Jesus. He did not have wealth. He had a robe. And that's it. He suffered. The disciples, almost all of them, got put to death. They were suffered. They suffered. Life is not, this is not God's promise that life will be easy. But his promise is he is with you. And when he is with you, you can face anything even the diagnosis that we did that day. This passage, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. It was used last week or the week before, either Matt or Jacinda used it. And this was the, the thing. I'm sitting down in my quiet time on Friday morning. I've been reading through a wonderful book um, Brad Jersak's A More Christ-like Way. If you haven't read it, get it. And I, I only read about a page a day or two pages. And, and on Friday morning, I'm reading and, and the passage that Jersak's talking about, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. And he, and he talks about, I'll read this from it. You see, the rest Christ gives is not merely a diversion or reprieve from our weariness. It's medicine for it. He doesn't just grant you a rest. His rest is healing. Healing my hurt, my grief, purifying my anger, renewing my heart. And then... And I'm praying, wow, God, you know, this, this verse keeps coming up. And I wrote this message back in February. And then today, this morning, get out of bed. And I've been doing this following through with the reading app that, that a lot of people in this church are doing. And, and there's a little devotional that comes up. I don't know if you're listening to it, the one with the video and everything. If you listen to this morning's one, today, this day, now, if you want to know whether God wants you to hear this verse or not, um, this is this morning's one. We live in a stress-filled world. There's stress at home, school, college, the workplace, almost everywhere. And he goes on. 
talking about how people try to cope with stress. In order to deal with stress, people turn to alcohol, shopping, movies, TV, internet, extramarital affairs, drugs, etc. These things can never help us deal with stress. Then what is the lasting solution from freedom for freedom from stress? Jesus. Yes. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus invites all who labor and are heavy laden to find rest in him. So when it all turns to custard, whatever you are facing, and I mean that, whatever, Jesus is saying to you, come to me and I will give you rest. That's peace. That's what my daughter and I had that day, was peace. We don't know what the future holds for our beautiful granddaughter, but we do know who holds the future, and that's all that matters, live or die we know she's going to be okay. And so are we. And finally, and something's gone weird with this, Paul writes this, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And what? Oh, the peace of God passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember, God isn't a genie. It's not about rubbing the bottle and saying, do this for me, God. It's about surrender. That means coming to him, listening to him, yielding, and letting him have his way. As we do this, we will learn how to love, how to love ourselves, how to love others, even those we don't know. But we will know peace. Well, thanks again for tuning in to today's message. We hope and pray that it's been most helpful. If you're keen to find out more about us as a church whānau, you're welcome to go to coast.org.nz or of course we'd love to meet you in person. We meet at 10am at Aurewa College on the beautiful Hibiscus Coast and you're more than welcome. Be blessed and have a great day.